0: Good. All right. Well, first, I just really want to say thank you um, to Apostle Henry, Pastor Jackie, Pastor Cindy, um, for trusting me to come up here on a Sunday. Uh, this is my first time on a Sunday, so shaking in my boots a little bit. Uh, but it, it really is an honor. Um, and thinking back, so it's been just over seven years, um, and we'll, we'll get into a little bit of how I got here. But, yeah, just over seven years, and um, looking across the room, I'm the only one of my age that actually stayed. And um, this is not a part of my sermon. This is not (laughs) in the notes. When God changes your life, you know it. When he really impacts your life in a huge way, you will never live your life the same. So today we're going to be talking about knowing your victory. You got to know your victory. Because once you know that, again, your life will never be the same. Let's get into it. I'm going to try to stick to the notes today because I could go off on tangents. But first picture quick question. Raise your hand if you know what this picture is. Like everybody, right? Muhammad Ali standing over top of Sonny Liston in 1965, right? This is one of the most iconic sports photos that there's ever been, right? So real quick, let's put ourselves as Christians in this photo. If we are Muhammad Ali, who would you guys say is Sunny Listen on the ground there? Satan? Satan? Any, anything else? What's that? Your addiction? That could be one. Let's go ahead and make a broad statement. Sunny Listen on the ground there is your mind. That's your mind. Muhammad Ali trained for years, put in blood, sweat, and tears, put in time, put in effort in order to be in this position in victory over his opponent. Don't get me wrong. Our enemy is Satan. But the time and effort that you're going to have to put into living a victorious life, that's right here. That's your mind. So let's get into it. Let's go to verse uh, Luke 10, verse 17 through 21. Quick backstory here. Jesus sent out 70 disciples, followers of him, Christians. And he said to them, I want you to go out into all the regions around us. I want you to raise the dead. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to cast out demons. And I want you to tell people that the kingdom of God has come near to them. And this was when they came back. Let's read. The, re, the 70 returned with joy. Why? They said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Whoo! Did you see that? Did you see that? I cast that one out. Yeah, did you see him just all over the floor? And then, boom, he just came out in <laughs> Jesus' name. With joy. With joy. They came back saying these things. What did Jesus say? He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. He wasn't like, oh, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. good. Good job, guys. He said, no, I saw Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. Quick. Blink of an eye. He says, listen carefully. I have given you authority that you now possess. To tread on serpents and scorpions. And I've given you the ability to exercise authority over some of the power of the enemy. All, all authority. All, everything that Satan has. Everything that he tries to do. He's given it to us. So now we have it. Not because of ourselves, not because of our power, strength, and might. It's because of him. God himself gave it to us. Gave it to us. And nothing in any way will harm you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. So what Jesus say here? Why are y'all so surprised? Why are you guys so joyful about that? He said, It's more important that you're a follower of me. That you have a relationship with me. That your name is written in heaven. And you know it. You don't ever have to question that. You know that you're going to heaven. I'm going to say something. If you guys are taking notes, you're going to want to write this one down. You are as free from the power of sin and Satan as God is. You... Christian, Christ's follower, are as free from the power of sin and Satan as God is. Just a few months ago, my wife Christine and I, we're, we're going through um, a rough time. It seemed like a whole bunch of different areas in our life Satan was trying to attack. And we're praying, we're fellowshipping, we're listening to music, uh, we're coming to church on Sunday, we're doing all these things. But yet it seemed like Time after time, thing after thing just kept happening. And it wasn't just us. It was the people here that we knew. It was our friends, our family. Constantly just these attacks, these attacks. And we found ourselves saying, along with everybody else, oh, we're just under attack. It's just an attack from the enemy. We're under an attack from Satan. Oh. And so my wife and I, we were a little confused. I said, God. We don't know what else to do. We're trying to like pinpoint what is going on. What are we not doing? Or are we doing something that is continuing to put us in this position? So in confusion, she's going to bed that night. And we're praying. And then I go upstairs. As I go upstairs, I'm praying in the spirit. And the Holy Spirit says to me, There is no fight. There is no fight. You are never under Satan when you are in Christ. As he said, don't marvel that demons listen to you, that the king of darkness listens to you. That's a normal thing. Shoot, fly. Don't bother me. That's it. Be done with it. And then let's move on. Okay? John Bevere, pastor in Colorado, he was also going through a rough patch recently. Same thing. He's like, I'm praying, I'm worshiping, I'm doing all these things that I know that I should be doing. But still, I find myself getting frustrated to the point of anger. I'm casting these demons away, Lord. What's going on? The Holy Spirit spoke to him too. And the Holy Spirit said, how are you going to cast out your own flesh think about it how are you going to cast out your own flesh you can't that's the answer see your flesh wants what the flesh wants the things of the world the desires of the flesh and it's opposite to what the spirit because you are a spirit it's opposite to what your spirit wants which is the things of God So what does that leave in the middle? Come on. Your mind. It's your mind. Your biggest battlefield right here. Your mind's right in the middle. Let's go to Romans 12, 2. It says, and do not be conformed to this world, flesh. Don't be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed And progressively changed as you mature spiritually. It's a mind game. Don't let your mind go this way. Don't let your mind go to the flesh. Don't let your mind go to the world. You put your things on your mind towards the spirit. And it takes time. You have to renew your mind. And why? So that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable, and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. People always want to know, what's my purpose? What's the will of God? If it be your will, Lord, he told us what his will is. You just have to put your time and effort into renewing your mind so that you know what it is. And if you do that, you're going to know what your purpose is. You're going to know what God's plan is for your life. You're going to know exactly what his will is. It's no question. Renew your mind. You see, the the devil, Satan, doesn't know what you're thinking. He doesn't even know the future. But you know what he does know? He hears what we say. And he sees how we react. And he can put lies into our head. And when you react to that, he sees it. So why is this important? You have to renew your mind to know what the word of God says. So that when something of your flesh or the enemy comes about, you can react in the right way. You can say what you need to to that issue to your flesh. Let's go to Proverbs 4, verse 23 and 24. Above all else. Above all else. Above everything else. Guard your heart. Yep. Everything you do in life flows from your heart. Guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. And keep your heart. Mouth free of perversity and keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Quit cursing yourself. Quit cursing in general. I used to have a super potty mouth. That changed really quick when I came to Christ. Because I started renewing my mind. I started guarding my heart. And then I knew what to speak instead of the way that I did things before. So what are you speaking over yourself? Are they the things of God, or are they coming from your flesh, or the lies of the enemy? You need to control what you're listening to, what you're watching, and what you're feeding your mind. You might just be thinking, it's just a movie. It's harmless. It's just a song. I just like it for the beat. Yeah, what do the words say? I got my mind on my money and my money on my mind. Right? But it's a fat beat. I like it. What are you feeding yourself? Right? Prophet Esther was here from Spain just a few months ago, and she said this. Again, if you're taking notes, write this one down. Your ears are your spiritual womb. Whew. You see, a womb receives a seed. And then that seed begins to multiply and grow, just like baby Amalia. You have a birthing, a result, coming from a small seed. And that begins here with your mind. Your spirit's over here saying things like, the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I know that. And on the other side, you got your flesh over here saying something like, I just want some pizza. (laughs) And then you got your mind right in the middle of both of these things. And your mind's like, oh, look at all that cheese. (laughs) Oh, but I know what the word says. I'm just going to have the cheese. (laughs) I'm just going to have the pizza. So what are you feeding yourself? Question it. What are you feeding yourself spiritually on a daily basis? Let's go to Mark 11, verse 22 through 24. So Jesus, he answered and said to them, have faith in God. Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, whatever things you say, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you might have them. No, you're going to have them. You will have them. Jesus said so. There's a whole lot of speaking by us in this verse. And so why is it when we speak things that are against God's word, it seems like it's a lot easier to believe for us? We love, love saying things over and over and over. Things that are against God. My wife, and yes, I have permission from her to say this. My wife will usually say something like, I'm tired. I have a headache. I know, babe, I know. You, you woke up at 2 in the morning. It's been a long day. You didn't get a good nap. <sighs> but why, why do I have a headache? Well, how much water did you drink today? I drink water. This is a a common occurrence. (laughs) No, babe, that's not what I asked. How much water did you drink? Oh, maybe like a bottle. I'm like, oh, man, woke up at 2, and now it's 4 p.m. But we love saying things over and over. We love it. It's because our flesh, we're living in a physical world. And so we have our flesh that we're constantly dealing with on a daily basis. We have our mind that we're constantly dealing with on a daily basis. We love saying things like, I'm worried. I don't feel good. I'm sick. I'm feeling this way. I'm broke. I'm without those finances. I am not loved. I'm oppressed. I am depressed. I am anxious. I'm going to die. You guys know that God said to Moses with the burning bush his name? What was it? I am. am. He said, I am. The God of I am. I am. You guys know what I am means in Hebrew? Let's go through it. I don't have a slide for this, but write in your notes. I am in Hebrew. It means to be, become, come to pass, exist, happen, occur, take place, come about, to arise, to appear, to be established to remain, to continue, to be done, to be brought about, and to be finished. I am a child of God. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am healed. I am, I am, I am. It is done when you say, I am. And you know what it means. That's why you need to know what the word of God says. And you can't be listening to your flesh or the lies of the enemy. You got to recognize that right away. And you have to speak the word of God and say, I am. You decide what you speak. Come from a place of victory. Know your victory in Christ. We'll go to the next slide. Yes. Ooh, that's right. Oh, <laughs> who's that? <laughs> that's me about 40 pounds ago. That's what that is. <laughs> this is what I knew victory was growing up. Sports wins. This was, in my life, in sports, the greatest victory that I ever experienced. You see, I went to you and I. That's University of Northern Iowa. We were considered a D1 AA school for football. USC, UCLA, SDSU—that's all D1 A. It's like battery sizes: A, AA, AAA. We we're just a little bit smaller, but we're still considered D1. Oh, D1 AA, and so we got looked over. Us that played at these schools, we got looked over by the bigger schools. But yet, every year, a D1A school could play a D1AA school and count that win towards their record, which then would help them get to a better bowl game. So for us, we had nothing to lose. Zero. So we got in there all hyped up. We have been speaking that we're going to win. We have been envisioning the plays that we're going to make and that we would have this type of position when the game was done. We came very close. I went there for five years, five seasons. This was the only one that we actually got over that big school. And we crushed them. (laughs) But you can see my body position in victory. Victory. I put a lot of time and effort into this. We, as a team, put a lot of time and effort into this. And once you get to the goal that you've been striving for, (sighs) hallelujah. Yes. So much so that I had to pull a Tim Tebow there on the right. (laughs) It sure looks like I'm a Christian in this photo. Oh, this shit does look like it. But you want to know something? Two hours after that photo was taken, I was drunk. Super drunk. Celebrating. Right? We got the win. You got to celebrate so you drink. That's what the world tells you. You see these worldly victories, they take a lot of effort. Blood, sweat, and tears but they don't sustain you. No. Right. I didn't get to my first trial in life after this win and say, ooh, but I won against Iowa State. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. This didn't matter at that time. Right. All that mattered was the storm or the trial that I was going through, the valley that I was walking through. Right. This didn't help me at all. Right. You see, I grew up in church, and throughout my whole life, If someone asked me if I was a Christian, you know what I would have said? Yeah. Yeah. I would have said yes. Even though my life never looked that way based on the things that I said and the things that I did. Mm -hmm. Because my heart was not in the right place. So one year after this picture was taken, I moved to Los Angeles and I'm going to chiropractic school. And... Based on the things I said, I put myself in a place of defeat. I literally remember saying this. I'm going to go out to Cali and party it up. Nobody actually says Cali if you're from California. I'm going go out to Cali. There's that song again with the fat beat. I'm going, going back, back to Cali, Cali. You guys know that. OK. Biggie. So what do I do? I began partying. I became addicted to prescription medication. I smoked marijuana every single day. I put myself in a place of defeat. I was already addicted to things, and it just kept getting worse. I was already addicted to chewing tobacco, pornography. Worst thing that you could ever do to yourself is continue to be addicted to something like that. Pornography is one of the worst things for your marriage, spirit, soul, and body. I drank every single weekend for the sole purpose of getting drunk and trying to take a girl home. What, Dr. Chris? That's you? Yes. I placed myself in a group of friends who I didn't know at all, and I got into a relationship with a girl who I didn't know either. Things went from bad to worse in my addictions, and it seemed like every single weekend now I was doing either cocaine or MDMA. That's a pure form of ecstasy. Party it up. Addicted. I became violent. I didn't have a football field anymore. I became violent, literally punching doors, walls. I got the cops called on me, put me outside. I didn't know who I was. And I didn't know who I was around. I didn't know who I was surrounding myself with. But truly, I believe that I was always kind of this person a little bit. It was just a little bit bottled up because I was around friends and family back home, and I filled my time with sports and other activities. If somebody asked me at this time if I was a Christian, I would have said yes. I became severely depressed, severely depressed, an emotional wreck, and my relationship with my ex at that time was the most toxic that it had ever been. I felt alone, I felt unseen, unheard, and unloved. I felt like I had no hope. Until one day, I humbled myself, and I really prayed. I really prayed. That was the first real prayer of my life. I said, God, show me a sign. Don't go and do that now. Show me a sign if I'm supposed to stay with this girl that I'm in a relationship with and bring you into the picture or if I'm just supposed to end it and I'll follow you. I humbled myself to that position. I was tired of feeling the way that I was feeling, depressed, addicted, with no hope. So what did God do? He showed me a sign. I didn't ask for any more signs after that, I promise. You shouldn't be living your life in victory asking for signs. But God's grace, he knew who I would become. He showed me a sign that I should not be with that girl. I broke up with her on a Thursday. In Sunday, on Sunday, I was sitting right here. Mm. Your life's going to get changed today. (laughs) That's my mother in law From then on, my life truly began to change. I was sitting there. My heart was beating out of my chest. I was crying. Sitting between two friends, one guy that I played football with in college. The sermon series that I was listening to was the blood covenant. Never, ever had I heard Jesus that way before. You see, a covenant is simply just an agreement between two parties. And God's ultimate plan was that he wanted to be in covenant with man. You see, what's significant about that is, in a blood covenant where two become one, it is everything that one side has, and they are giving it to the other, and vice versa. So think about it. When you come into the covenant with God, you get everything that God has, And then you put into the pot everything that you have, which is nothing. (laughs) Way opposite sides. Come on now. The Creator, the Creator, in covenant with Him. Right, right, yeah. Jesus provided everything that we need to live a victorious life. There is power, incredible, unmatched power in the blood. In the name of Jesus. You see, when sin came into the world through what Adam and Eve did by eating the fruits that they weren't supposed to, the devil thought he had won. He thought that he got a victory. But God, he was way ahead of the devil. He said, you know what, devil? I'm going to form this blood covenant so I can get my son Jesus into the earth. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, it crushed all of Satan's power. Jesus' blood stripped the devil of everything and left him defeated forever. Victory. Did you know that the devil's afraid? Do you know that the devil has fear? He's afraid of the blood of Jesus, because it reminds him of the covenant that God has with man. He is afraid, don't be afraid of him, don't be scared of his tactics, literally, shoe fly, don't bother me, devil be gone in Jesus name, remember the blood, I'm in covenant, that's it. Just say it and be done. Let's go to Romans 8, verse 37. It yet in all these things, we as Christians are more than conquerors and gain an overwhelming victory through him who loved us so much that he died for us. We have the victory not because of what we did, not because of our own efforts, because of what he did. Through him, we have victory. He didn't just pay some little price so that we could have a crutch. Mm, No, 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 no. He paid the most expensive price that God himself could ever pay, the death of his son. He did that for you and me. He did it so we could be in a covenant with him. To have a relationship with him. This ain't religious. It's not. You know who sent Jesus to the cross? The religious folks. The religious leaders who thought they were doing a service to God. Put God himself in the hands of the Romans. Romans tried handing him back. And they said, crucify him crucify him, the religious folks. So what they do first? The Romans, they pushed a crown of thorns on his head until blood began to flow. You guys know what the thorns represent? You see, when Adam and Eve sinned, then thorns were produced in the earth in the book of Genesis. Then thorns were produced after the sin came in. The thorns represent the curse of sin and Satan's power over the earth. God himself, Jesus, took the false crown that Satan had over the earth and mankind, and he put it on his head. What'd they do next? They whipped him. Brutally. They whipped him naked. In the covenant, when the two parties start to come together and form that blood covenant, they take off their outer robe their garment that's representing I'm giving everything I have to you and vice versa. Jesus had an expensive robe, and he took it off as he went to be killed. He gave us his robe of righteousness, and he put on our nakedness. Because what happened when Adam and Eve sinned in the beginning? They finally realized that they were naked. They tried hiding from God. They were shameful. Jesus took off his robe for us. And he put on what we had, which was shame. He put on our nakedness. He took our shame. Son and daughter of God, your shame is taken away in Christ. Have you ever felt defeated? Have you ever felt like you're alone? Like you're unloved, unwanted, worthless, full of shame, guilty, like a failure, anxious, depressed, and with no hope like I was? The only person that knows how you feel is Jesus. He knows. He knows your pain. He knows what you're going through. Mm -hmm. So they whipped him naked on the whipping post. The ripping of his flesh, in the book of Psalms, it says that my bones stare back at me. Mm -hmm. The ripping of his flesh on the whipping post was so That we could come into this covenant with him and be healed. Because the Bible says that by his stripes, we were healed. We were healed. Not going to be. We were healed. So you don't come to God begging, oh God, please heal me. Please heal them. Get a team of everybody praying, please, God, please, God, please, God, begging for him to do something. No. You come to him, and you say, God, I didn't deserve it. When you whipped Jesus, I don't deserve it now, but I receive it. And I say, thank you. And by your stripes, I am healed. Take your position in victory. Take your position in authority. You're not twisting God's arm. You're not asking him to do something that he didn't want to do. He did it in spite of us. He did it for us anyway before we were even born, even when we were still sinners. He still did it for everybody that's not ever going to believe in him. There is no other love like the love of God. So the final thing They nailed him to the cross. And that was the final debt of our sin that Jesus paid. The blood that flowed from his hands and his feet was the final sealing of the blood covenant between God and man. You cannot do enough good deeds. It doesn't matter how good of a person you are. I'm sorry. It only, it only matters if you believe that God did it for you. Amen. That he took your place and he was whipped. That he put on that crown of thorns and that he was nailed to the cross. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're, not, you're no longer a slave to anything. Your position in Christ is now with him. He said, you're no longer, I I no longer call you guys slaves or servants. I call you friends. He's prepared everything that you need at his table. So why don't you come pull up and take a seat and take and receive what he has provided for you? Don't you dare take for granted what he has done for you on the cross. You need to understand the gravity and the magnitude that God had to go through to get us to this position. You need to understand that. So what now? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be free. You'll be able to walk in victory. In ending, last two verses, Mark 16, verse 15 through 18. And he, Jesus, said to them, Recover. You see, when you make Jesus your Lord and your Savior, you die to yourself. You die to the flesh. The exchanging of garments. You take off who you are and you give it to him. He's already done it. You then live for him. Just like I did. My life changed. When I heard this, my life changed forever, and I began to live for him. I began renewing my mind and having a relationship with him. He told you, he told us what our life is supposed to look like once we start doing that. It's right here. If you believe, then you should go, and these things are going to happen. If your life doesn't look this way, I want to encourage you to just look in the mirror. Just take a glance and ask yourself, is this what I'm doing? Am I really living my life for him? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Or am I living for myself? Am I living for something else? Last one. Acts 1, verse 8. You, Christians, shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Again, go. But you see, he said this to the disciples who then became apostles. He told them to go and wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came upon them and gave them the power. Jesus didn't do a single miracle in his life until we read in Scripture, he was baptized and the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. Then he went out and he started doing. If Jesus did it this way, the disciples who became apostles did it this way, how are we supposed to think anything else of ourselves? Just question, does my life look this way? Am I really living for him? Do I know what the word says? Does my life look like I'm living in victory? Am I walking in that victory? Am I walking in the relationship with God and everything that he has provided for me? If you are, then great. If not, I encourage you to step up in boldness, humble yourself like I did, and start to follow God. Go ahead and stand with me, please. of the lights down a little bit. Everybody, please close your eyes. Father, I thank you for everybody in this house this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here. Here comes the glory of the Lord. Fill filling the atmosphere. Jesus himself, God the Father himself, are here. The Holy Spirit is here. Yes. Right now, I want to ask you guys a question. With all eyes closed, nobody looking around. If this touched you like it touched me, You just heard Jesus like this for the first time like I did 7 years ago. And your heart's beating out of your chest. It's the Holy Spirit. It's because he's speaking to you. It's not by my power and my might that I came up here. It's by his spirit. And when you understand Jesus It'll change your life forever. Maybe you were like me growing up. Maybe you weren't doing all the crazy stuff I was doing. But maybe your life didn't look a certain way. The way that scripture tells us it should. Maybe you think you're a good person. I still thought I was a good person. Maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Ever. And now you understand because the Holy Spirit gave you that understanding. If you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior because you believe in your heart and you want to confess with your mouth that he is your Lord and Savior, go ahead and just raise your hand. If you want to make him your Lord and Savior, if you want to rededicate your life, just raise your hand. God sees those hands. God sees your hand. Hallelujah. I want everybody to repeat this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, that he died for me. That he took my sin, he took my my shame, shame. (laughs) that he died in my place, place. (laughs) and that you have provided me with. an opportunity to come in covenant with you. I believe, Jesus, that you did it for me, that you were raised to life on the third day, and that I am now your child. Forgive me, Lord, of all my sins. Help me, Lord. To forgive, in my past. to forgive everybody in my past. Jesus, Jesus. I, ask for your Holy Spirit I ask for your Holy Spirit to help, me. To help me. Lead me, me, lead me and guide me in the mighty name of Jesus, the name of Jesus. Amen. amen. The Bible says that if you prayed that prayer, that there is a party going on in heaven right now for you. Amen. That a lost soul coming back to God, heaven rejoices. If you raise your hand and you really meant that, you can now know you have the surety that you are a child of God and that heaven is your home. Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and you are fully committed to living a life for him, a victorious life. Thank you, guys. God bless you. I'll have the uh, ministry team come up. Ministry team, go ahead and come up. If you need prayer for anything, we will be down here praying for you guys. If you prayed that prayer, please come up and see one of us. We have a a little book for you to take home, and we want to pray with you individually. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, if you want to receive power, come forward for that as well. And we will be able to lay hands on you, and you will receive in the mighty name of Jesus this covenant of healing that God has provided for us. It's yours for the taking. So come up and take what is yours. If you need healing in your physical body, or if you need any demonic oppression cast off of you, and you stand in agreement with these people up here, we can do that for you. Thank you, guys. We'll dismiss the service, but come up for prayer if you need it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.